inspirational and instructional. Dr. Joe Schwartz's book, Super Radiant, sold on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, gives a step-by-step approach to finding your bliss through TM. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you again for tuning in and listening. Today, we're going to deal with the subject matter that affects all of us, and it approaches our life on a sometimes a daily basis sometimes perhaps you can say it approaches our life in, in, in on an hourly basis depending on what we're doing we're going to talk about and cover uh, a topic called stress doc stress really got a lot of um, leeway and made its name after the pandemic I'm sure all of us had experiences trying to adjust to getting vaccines, masks, even going to the supermarket, visiting our relatives. That all changed in 2021, and it was stressful. So I think the whole society got a dose of how the impact of any change uh, would affect how they would behave with themselves, with their families, with other people. So let's talk about, but even before the pandemic, everyone has experienced stress. So uh, let's, let's get into some definitions real quick. So the earliest definition goes back all the way to 1936. A, a medical doctor, his name was Dr. Hans Saley. He, he gave the oldest definition of stress, and he called it the nonspecific response of the body to any demand for change. And, and the the revolutionary discovery that Dr. Saley made was when he experimented on animals and he put them under stress or conditions that were not normal for them. The, hand, the animals responded with hypertension, which is a fancy word for blood, high blood pressure. They, they stroked out. They had heart attacks and ulcers. And this was really a big deal back in those days because most of the medical community looked at heart attacks and ulcers and strokes and high blood pressure as, as developing from, from something else. Maybe it was genetic. Maybe it was something people were eating. Okay, But Hans Saley showed that there were events that humans uh, were impacted on, impacted with, that uh, were able to raise their blood pressure. And, and then later on, uh, more definitions... Uh, of stress came about. Another definition of stress is a body's response to pressure from a certain situation or event. It can be physical, emotional, or a mental reaction. So um, when, you're, when, when, you're, when you're trying to pick up your, your child at school and running into traffic and you're stuck in traffic, that could be a stressful situation, for example, where you might react physically, emotionally, and uh, maybe experience some distress. And as you're experiencing those emotions, there are physiological, physiological responses that are going on in your body, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But the best definition of stress that I found um, was from an article that I read recently by another doctor, Shona Waters, that she wrote in her blog. Stresses are psychological and physiological response slash reaction to an event or condition that is considered a threat 
or a challenge. Now, we all know what a threat is. I mean, when someone comes up to you on the street with a gun, that's pretty threatening. Um, when um, you get warned um, by uh, a cop that pulls you over because you've been speeding and you didn't get a ticket, but he, he sends you, he gives you a notice, or um, in other situations when you've been um, threatened in, in some dangerous way, you know, almost falling off a ladder, you learn how to um, adjust to those situations in the future. You're a little more careful. So we all, we all understand what threats are. Challenges are um, not as bad. And um, examples of challenges that may produce stress are, for example, a new position um, at your company where you're, you're all of a sudden you're a new manager, okay? And that involves more um, work or more preparation. Um, getting married, okay? That could be a challenge. Um, you've been single all along, and now you're going to have to learn to live with someone communicate better. Moving to a new house, that's, that could be challenging. Moving itself is, is right up there in, in, in one of the worser or worse stresses that um, all of us can experience. So get, let's get into a little more of what stress symptoms are. And we Doc, can, one thing I want yes. to ask you with reference to that, right. would you also say... And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people struggle with this today. Right. Mm. Consideration of a job change, right? And what to do. Sometimes, the angst that goes with making the decision creates at least what appears to be a tremendous amount of surface stress, agonizing over: Should I take the job? Should I make a change? Or, right. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, it's interesting because um, I, I still do some psychotherapy. And I had a, a patient right now, he, him and his wife, just moved from Washington, D.C., and they both had wonderful jobs in Washington. And uh, they, they had this summer home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And, all, and then they decided, well, we want to move out of um, Washington and live permanently in, in Rehoboth and take our son, and he was in a school system. So the, the fact of moving itself out of, out of a familiar situation, um, albeit it was a little, getting a little dangerous, the, they, they had experienced some, some crime around their neighborhood. And, um, but they still agonized over leaving Washington and the friends they made and the wonderful jobs they had there. And th but of course, moving in this day and age, the move was not in, in any way as, uh, as threatening as they perceived it to be because their jobs were all virtual. Uh, a woman was um, actually a chief operating officer of a big company, and the, um, the CEO of the company didn't even live in the area. He lived in Seattle. So in today's world, it's, it's like Joe just said. There's, there's perception and there's reality. So we, we perceive... Um, stressful situations and we worry about them and we have all these emotional reactions and um so so let's let's talk a little bit about the the three categories of stress symptoms or these reactions um the first one is acute and acute means short-lived 
what is what does that mean? And it means that it, it, as soon as it comes, it goes. Okay, it, it's what we call in medical terms it remits or goes away shortly. So an example of acute stress might be taking a test. Okay, I have big math test coming up, and you know it's a question of whether I'm going to see or a D. Okay. Um, Facing any type of emergency. Yesterday, I cut myself. Uh, you know, I'm usually pretty careful in the kitchen. And I cut myself and um, got the Band-Aids and the peroxide. And one, two, three, I didn't have to go to the emergency room. I faced that emergency. But I'm sure the, my body went through a tremendous stress reaction, uh, surprise, maybe anger, that that happened. Uh, but so so those are those are... But that, that, that came and went, okay? You take the test, you do well or you don't well, and you, you wait around to see what grade you got, uh, or you face an emergency like I did, but it came and went, so it's short term. Um, then there's a little more um, defined type of acute stress, and that's what we call episodic acute stress, and that means one acute stress after another, and a good example of that are um, other um, healthcare providers. For example, medical doctors and nurses that work in, in the ER. Now, if you work in the ER, um, that can easily burn you out, and as many doctors and nurses that I've known have told me about, because you're really going from one emergency to the next, and you know, it's not just people cutting themselves, it's maybe gunshot wounds, it's maybe broken legs, um, trauma to the head, and you need a million tests. So it's one thing after the next. So that's called episodic acute stress. And then there's chronic stress, which is really the worst of all the, the types of stressors. And that's uh, when you feel that your life is one constant emergency, okay? And unfortunately, there are many families today that are dysfunctional where the, the spouse comes home and they're fighting and there's constant uh, family arguments, often in front of kids, which is terrible. And, um, uh, or there's a lot of verbal abuse, screaming and yelling. And, um, or, you know, you could, you could go to a job and have a terrible boss. And certainly I've had many patients who complain that their job is untenable, but they need this job, they need the income. And the, the, um, the uh, manager or boss that they have to face every day, day after day, is just awful. They're demanding or they, they, they have poor communication skills. So chronic is, is just what, um, what, what we've come to know chronic to be. It's, it's the long term, without a break, and um, chronic illness is what it is, chronic illness, and this, it's the same thing with stress. It's constant. So um, those are the three stressful um, ideas which I present, acute, um, episodic, acute stress, and chronic stress, and th those are all bad. But actually, there, uh, there could be good stress, and that... Out yeah, of those three that you right. mentioned there, Doc, which of the three... It's probably an obvious question, but you can apply it to your life. Out of the three, which of the three are the most crippling or have the hardest effect on us 
whether we realize it or not? Well, I, that's, that's a good question. I mean, the, the quick answer might be chronic stress because that's, uh, everything is a constant emergency. And if you're in a family that's totally dysfunctional and the parenting is terrible um, and, um, you know, a chronic stressor could be an illness. I mean, you're facing cancer every day um, and going for treatments. But, you know, I, I would say a borderline situation would be episodic acute stress where you... Um, where, where you're a professional like a healthcare provider or a doctor, and you have to really be perfect um, from one patient to the next, and, and, and that could really um, gain on you in a negative way um, and really burn you out. So uh, I would say burnout is, it, um, is a, a, a um, resultant of episodic acute stress. And chronic stress is, is I, I would say, the worst of the two if I had to make a choice because you've, you, you're burning out. And not only you're burning out, but you're probably getting very depressed and hopeless. And um, that is gonna really interfere with your activities of daily living, with your functioning, with your ability to think clearly and coherently and it will really take a big toll on the body. So um, the obvious answer is chronic stress. But I, I mean, um, episodic acute stress is a, is a close second. And if you're listening to the podcast and you're saying to yourself, well, chronic I have chronic stress at different times during the course of a day, and sometimes I block it out and sometimes... I don't. It, ju it ju I just move. I just move past it. Is that a characteristic of the right approach, or is that just trying to deal with the reality of the moment, which is when you're feeling the most angst or the most stress from whatever the situation is? Well, now you're getting into you know how you could help yourself, right? Okay, and um, of course you could help yourself. Uh, I mean, in, in my practice. Um, 30 years of practicing as a psychologist, how many people uh, have told me um, the, the biggest problem in mental health is denial? I mean, people, um, uh, I mean, men, uh, the, the number of people that come from mental health, um, the proportion of people that come from mental health are usually not men, although I have plenty of men that I've counseled. I, I would say uh, in, over the past 10 years, Ten years ago, I would say very, very few men, you know, uh, um, really came for mental health help if they were stressed out or they were being abusive or being the subject of abuse. They just would figure, well, that's not very masculine to ask for help. Uh, and I would say um, over the past ten years, gradually, more and more men are recognizing that it's okay not to be okay. Um, it's popularized among sports figures today that um, mental health is important and we all need to reach out and ask for help. And, and I very, very strongly believe in that because that will be the first step, in my opinion, or one of the big three steps to take in managing 
whatever stress that you have, whether it's chronic, uh, episodic, or acute, is really to ask for help. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, if, you didn't, if you're just saying, I'm just going to get through this, um, you know, you have to ask yourself, or when it gets so bad, you have to ask yourself, am I in denial? Now, how many people, you know, uh, I, I mean, it's a strength, really, to be a person that could take a step back and say, you know, there's something really the matter with me, okay? Um, and that, when patients come to me, for example, and they tell me that, that really is a strength, that they understand that I can't do this any, any longer, I, I really need help. And um, that's when the, you know, what I'm going to talk about here is the, the physical changes really start to overwhelm the person who has experienced stress. So what are those physical changes? Well, we have to understand that when, you, when you're under stress and you're in traffic or you're, you're coming home to arguments or you're going to work with, and you've got to deal with a difficult coworker or boss, what's going on in, you, in your brain? Well, your brain has a gland called the hypothalamus, and part of the hypothalamus is, uh, is it's, it's at the base of the brain, and um, it, it kicks off when we, we have stressful situation, okay? And the adrenal glands, which are part of the hypothalamus, starts emitting hormones. All right. Now, we can't see this. I mean, we can't see inside our body, but this is really going on, okay? So, for example, if I can use myself as an example, silly example, I cut myself. At that point, I knew that I had a, it was an emergency situation. So what happened in my brain? In my brain, the adrenal gland started to secrete something called cortisol, which is a hormone, and also adrenaline, which is also a hormone. Now, those are what nature, those hormones are what nature and God has given us to handle stressful situations as human beings. And um, we, we would be in, in awful shape if we didn't have that. So that gives you extra energy or an extra boost to quickly grab the Band-Aid or the, height, the, um, the peroxide and clean your wound and take care of yourself, okay? So, but it helps us manage situations and emergencies. But now here's the thing. In our society, where people may be running from one emergency to the next or sitting in traffic every day, that's awful, too many releases of cortisol and adrenaline when the, when the driver next to you cuts you off or somebody hunks you or you, you almost hit someone, okay, or they almost hit you, okay? So too many releases of these two hormones will have a negative effect cumulatively on our well-being. And it gets back to what Dr. Selye found out back in 1936 that you're, 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 all this stuff leads to bad things for human beings. High blood pressure, stroking out, heart attacks, ulcers, okay? And we're going to talk about that more so as we go along. But I also want to get into 
let's do this, Doc, for yeah. just a second. We'll pause for our listening audience just to give them a chance to catch up with us a little bit and process some of the information that we're sharing uh, today about stress. We're going to pause now for uh, 60 seconds as we break away from our conversation on stress today. You'll hear some automated or some pre-recorded messaging on how you can get yourself a copy uh, of the book. Um, it is incredible. Um, it is a great read, and it was created and authored from true experience. And I think that as, a, as you'll learn from this podcast, a lot of what is said and a lot of what is shared um, comes from real life, and I think that's an important thing uh, to remember. We'll be back in 60 seconds. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Super Radiant by Dr. Joe Schwartz, sold on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, opens the works of TM as a path to daily relaxation and stress relief. So, what are some of the causes of stress in, in our society? And to my mind, I think there are eight major ones, and I'm going to go through each of them. So the first is financial obligations, and those are relatively easy to describe. And everyone has mortgage, everyone has bills to pay, and um, everyone needs something called income to pay them. And when we are presented with bills that we can't pay, um, that, um, that can be a very, very, very difficult and frightening and stressful situation. Um, an another very, very bad cause of stress um, is death, death of a loved one. This could be a parent. This could be a spouse, a sister, a brother, uh, even a next-door neighbor. Um, that sense of loss, that sense of defeat or um, failure, um, maybe to help that person um, when they needed you, or did I do enough, or even if someone just dies of old age, that gap in your life, you knew that person your whole life, and now they're not there. There's all sorts of a compendium of feelings and emotions that a person is going to have when a loved one leaves us and we're alone, where we no longer enjoy their company. Um, so that could be quite difficult. And uh, right along with financial obligations, the third cause, major cause of stress, in my opinion, can be job loss. Okay, all of a sudden, you're laid off from your job, or unfortunately, you're fired from your job for some uh, mistake or mistakes that you've made. 
But job loss not not only is a loss which de- which can depress us and very much stress us out, but it it's also a big hit to our self esteem and our self image, and our confidence because we all like to see ourselves as performing at a very high level of competence in in whatever field that we're in, whether butcher baker, candlestick maker, doctor lawyer, um, broadcaster. Okay, and when all of a sudden someone steps in and says, "You know what, buddy? You really, you really weren't as good as you thought you were, and I think differently. And as a matter of fact, you, we no longer require your services. So there's a there's a tremendous shock to the system when that happens, or maybe you even uh, sometimes job loss occurs for." Um, Legal reasons. Um, people make mistakes on the job. Some of them are correctable, um, but sometimes people do illegal things. Uh, I had a, um, unfortunately, a uh, new patient now that I'm counseling because he had an employee in Delaware, um, and um, that person committed illegal acts, and. Um, and, be, and he had to be let go because he was competing, com, uh, doing illegal activities on the job. And, and um, the person tried to hurt himself. So the, the person that I'm counseling now um, feels very guilty about that, you know, even though they were, it was completely justifiable why he had to put the employee in a position where he lost his job but also um, very real and very justified. But nonetheless, you know, job loss, when it occurs, whether it's for um, real or imagined reasons on the, part of, on the part of whoever's employing you, I mean, there are plenty of people that are let go that, that, um, that uh, have been unjustifiably let go for, for no reason. Maybe they have person... And, and, a, and a big study was done that they found what they found was when people lose their jobs, it for the most part it's because of personality problems where you just can't communicate with your um, manager or you don't get along with the administrators, and um, you may in fact be doing a good job um, in terms of the nuts and bolts of your jobs or coming into work on time, getting all the work done on time. But, you know, there are personality issues that uh, employers um, will pick up on and attitudinal issues, and they'll, they'll let you go for that. But nonetheless... Would you say, Doc, yeah. in, in terms of that, would you say that perhaps that's the silver lining in a departure from a job, the fact that you don't get along with the administrator, yet you struggle through, you continue to work, you're stressed by the situation sometimes that you find yourself in when you're having conflict with the administrator, but the true reality of it is the forced firing or the forced or the change of job may actually be a positive. Now, I don't know if you actually would say that or know that in the moment, but is does that make sense? That type of a statement. Well, it, it make it makes sense if if you're suffering, 
and, you know, you're trying to do your best at the job. And, you know, I, I really do believe after all these years of practicing that everything happens for a reason. If a job doesn't work out, um, of course you want to leave on as best terms as possible. But if, if you've had better jobs before you had this particular one where, where you were let go, you have to focus on that. But I agree completely that, you know, when they, when, when you, when they use the, the phrase job fit, that's what it means. It means, do you fit well into this organization? And sometimes um, square pegs just don't fit into round holes, okay? And that's okay, you know, uh, in, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think that we all have to find people who, who we can be simpatico with and, and work well with. And um, that may not mean that you're making more money, it may mean that you're you're making less money, but you're at a job where you're happy. You get up in the morning, you have energy, and and uh, you get along with everybody, and um, they appreciate what you're doing. So sure, that could be a silver lining when things don't work out, and you have that job loss. The job loss is still there. That's the reality, but it, it usually um, is temporary. Now, temporary could mean. Two months, it could be two years. I don't know. You know, it really depends on your industry. Yeah, you might not realize the silver lining until, as you said, two years later, until you get the new position or whatever, right. whatever the case may be. And I don't know how. So I don't know how hard it is. Probably very hard to hold on to the vision of that silk being a silk being a blessing or being a positive until you get to the next facet or the next stage that was created by the exit from work, from the departure from the right. previous and, job. And, and, you know, job loss is so hard, and it is so stressful. It's another example of where you really need to reach out and talk to someone and uh, use these three techniques which I'm going to be talking about, talking to someone, exercising, and meditating. So it's, it's a biggie. It's a biggie. The next thing I'd like to talk about in terms of causes of stress, number four is traumatic events. And traumatic events um, could be, for example, witnessing a shooting, um, um, being in a car accident, okay, uh, being severely injured in a car accident, um, if you're in the military, being in combat. And, and, and we, we, we know all about post-traumatic stress from, from um, uh, individuals who have been in combat, but from um, individuals who have survived traumatic uh, nature events. I mean, right now we're having this tremendous hurricane down in Florida. Everything is being devastated. People's lives are being ruined. Their businesses are ruined. They have to get out of uh, the way of this storm. Some people could die. So traumatic events um, will, will very much stress us out, and that imprint of where we can't go back to what was, okay? I mean, if I only went down the other block instead of going down the main highway, I wouldn't have gotten hit, and um, my car wouldn't have been T-boned. You know, I, I mean, we all think about those things, and uh, talking through it in therapy, for example, is also good, but... It creates a lot of stress, and um, the imagery of that and um, could, could show up in the form of nightmares and bad dreams at night, or you could pass by stores 
that looked like the store that you were in front of when you got hit by a car. Um, all sorts of things could remind you of that traumatic event as you go along forward in life. So traumatic events, natural disasters, shootings, um, um, things going wrong um, at your house or um, with your car, um, those are really big stressors. Um, another area that produces stress is, um, again, getting back to work. Suppose you're, you're keeping your job, which most people do, but um, this job, and it doesn't matter where you work, as a lawyer, as an architect, it doesn't matter. You could be feeling a lot of pressures at work. And pressures at work mean deadlines, um, and, and you feel that you're working very, very hard to keep your job. You want to keep your job. You want to keep the boss happy. You want to keep the corporation happy or the firm happy. And um, exceedingly today, it seems that many people feel that they really have to outperform um, the boss's expectations, which is good, but it comes with a price, doesn't it? Okay, so how we manage our careers and the pressures that go along with it is really essential in terms of <clears throat> stress management. And um, are you working too hard? And do you like your job? Or am I working very hard and I hate my job? So that's another consideration which, which will add or take away from stress because you could be, you're working too hard, even if you like your job, you probably need some stress management. Now, in, on the educational side, if, if you're still a student, uh, what if you wake up every day and you're being bullied on the bus or in the classroom? That's not great. So that's a big pressure. Um, what if you have a bad teacher or you, it, she's not um, or he's not being very helpful? What if you have a learning delay? Um, what if you, you feel like you're different in some way? So those are pressures at work and at school that people need to talk about. And once they talk about it and once they get the skills to manage that, they're going to be feeling a lot better. Um, the, another area, number six, would be emotional well-being and struggles if you have already been diagnosed, for example, with a mental illness, with depression, with bipolar disorder, with chronic anxiety or panic. Um, so presumably, you're getting treated for that in some way, hopefully talking to someone. Um, but uh, living, a lot of mental illness is genetic. It does get passed on, or at least there are predispositions for people who uh, have depression in their family or bipolar or anxiety in their family. There is always a strong predisposition that they're going to become depressed as well. It's not a fait accompli. There are plenty of people who have parents and grandparents or uncles who've been bipolar, for example, but that doesn't necessarily mean if you're the niece or the nephew, you're going to become bipolar. I think it's a combination of situations or, may, or getting back to the topic, major stresses. You could be in a terrible job or in a terrible marriage or having 
live a bad neighborhood, and because of that stress, all of a sudden you start to feel yourself becoming more depressed. So if you have the predisposition to be emotionally not well, or you've already been diagnosed with some type of panic, anxiety, or depression, living with that is going to be a, stre a stressor. Now, it could be a minor stressor if it's well-controlled, if you're getting whatever um, treatment for your depression and you're handling it and you're doing all these exercises. And in some case, some people have to take medication. I'm not a big proponent of that, but I recognize that as, as it has helped many, many people. If you're managing whatever diagnosis you have, you're doing something and you're being proactive. There are people that don't even know how bad off they are, which is really unfortunate until it's too late, um, until they, they commit some crime because they're mentally ill, or, at, at, or they, they um, commit suicide, okay? Um, big problem in our society where many people struggle with mental illness, it's very stressful for them, and their family doesn't recognize that or doesn't help them. Or if, even if their family wants to help them, they don't want to go for help. So it, it, it is a big issue, and it can lead to a lot of stress if, you're, if you have a diagnosis. And the seventh cause of stress are relationship issues, and they include family problems, breakup with a partner, or divorce, okay? And that's very, very common as over the last 50, 60, 70 years. So many families, um, I think the, the rate, the chance of divorce in our society, I think is 50%. Uh, in, in, in modern times, I would say from the 1960s, 60, 70 years ago on. So um, dealing with a relationship problem, relationships are important. Everybody wants to have good relationships. Everybody wants to um, be in in a wonderful relationship. I think, you know, when, when we say to ourselves, for example, I must have this perfect marriage or I must have this wonderful family relationship, uh, I think we put additional pressure on ourselves because where is it written that everything must be perfect? Um, and, and that's just a little tip that um, I've learned as um, a cognitive therapist that, uh, I mean, you enter into a marriage just enter it with an open mind, okay, that your marriage may not be perfect. And where is it written? It's going to be perfect. It's how, how you communicate, how you handle um, your relationship that's important. Unfortunately, people don't know how to communicate. People um, enter into relationships and then find out that they're not what they expected. There's abuse. There's verbal abuse. There's a lying or cheating or Gambling, there's addiction. Addictions is terrible. That will really ruin a relationship, but it exists. It is what it is. Um, when you have a relationship issue and, quote, unquote, you're in love with someone, um, it, it makes it harder for you to maybe see the, what it's doing to you as a person if you're the, quote, unquote, better partner, okay, and, 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 when, and, and I think, again, you have to take a step back because in all relationships, there's never one person that's just ruining it. 
it's usually both people that ruin relationships. And you really have to give yourself a break or an, and just say to yourself, well, with this relationship isn't working out. Maybe I didn't put my foot down. Maybe I wasn't assertive enough. Maybe I was the subject to all this verbal abuse and I didn't leave earlier. Or maybe I was given the abuse. Or maybe I was the one who was gambling and doing drugs. Okay, so relationship issues will produce a tremendous amount of stress. Um, but when, I had a friend of mine just yeah. tell me the other uh -huh. day, Doc, that um, his oldest son, who I think he might be 26 years old, holds resentment to him. He's, he's, his son resents the fact that him and his mother divorced right. at a young age. And 20 years later... His son is now resenting the fact that he didn't stay married, and that's creating a tremendous amount of stress on him, on his relationship with his son, his son's wife, which would be his daughter-in-law, and they have a one-year-old. So that is creating you know, tremendous burden on him. He can't obviously go back in time to repair or to deal with or to address anything that may have occurred 20 years ago or, or however long ago it was. But it's, but it's fascinating to hear you say that, and it really does, um, at least for me as I listen to you, it's an example of, of what you're saying in a situation that is still playing out 20 years later is the story still 20 or, or perhaps it was perhaps it went away for a little while and now it's and now it's returned so anyway i didn't mean to get off sidebar on well, that well, but no, it, I, mean, I was thinking of that as you were you know as you were laying that out i think it's i think it's important well it, divorce is hard mm -hmm. on children um we, we know statistically that that uh adolescents uh kids that are 12 and older don't deal with divorce very well. I mean, if you, so they say in the literature that the best time to really end your marriage is when children are younger because they can adjust to the fact that, oh, well, mommy and daddy didn't get along and now we're seeing mom, she didn't go to Alaska, we're seeing dad, he didn't go to South Africa, he's still in the picture, I see him, I communicate with them. So that situation that you just brought up, it, it would be very easy for me to just make a comment about that. But I, I don't know the, all the details of it. What happened um, when this man decided to leave his marriage or when his uh, wife decided to leave him? Um, did they still love each other? Okay. I mean, if uh, and, and children, you know, maybe this son uh, didn't feel that he was acknowledged. They, you know, the parents didn't sit the son down and say, well, this isn't working out, or can you tell me how you feel about this? Um, were there any signs that the son needed therapy? Okay, was he really experiencing this breakup and nobody re uh, acknowledged that? So that could, be for that could be really what's behind the resentment. I mean, dad is what we call the um, identified problem. And... Um, uh, and, and that and that isn't always um, fair, okay? 
um, to have anyone singled out that way. Because I said before, when relationships fail, it's never just 110% one person. It's always two people that will ruin this relationship, make it better or make it worse. And in some situations, it's nobody's fault. Um, nobody, uh, this is a relationship where there was pure communication, maybe from the beginning, and maybe one or both parties felt it could get better, and it doesn't get better, and then it gets progressively worse, and maybe they try therapy, and even therapy doesn't work. And then there's also all sorts of resentments on one of both parties, and the love is gone. When the love is gone, you know, there's no motivation to really keep your marriage. Now, do kids understand this? Or in this case, um, this boy who blames his dad, um, maybe he, he was too young to understand that. And, you know, you would think, you know, he's 27 or 26, right? He's, he's an older person now. Perhaps there's a maturity factor. You know, other friends or other people in the world get married and divorced all the time. I mean, you would think that this young man would have some um, idea or um, uh, empathy for his dad and maybe even be a little forgiving. You know, forgiving someone, you know, and saying to them, you know what, it was a mistake that you made in the marriage, Dad. I understand that. And Mom made a mistake, too. So, you know, um, it sounds like, <laughs> like these three people or two people are good candidates for some therapy. We'll take our final break on this edition and on our conversation about stress today. Again, as we go into this 60-second pause, you'll hear some messaging uh, about how you can order your copy of the book. It really is a great read uh, written from this tremendous um, uh, involvement and reality of experience, and I think that you will enjoy it. We'll pause. We'll be back on the other side of the break with what will be our final segment, and we thank everybody for tuning in to the podcast. Back in a moment. We hope you'll do two things as we come back to our final five or six minutes with the doctor on stress. We hope that you will take a moment to order a copy of his book, and we also hope that you'll go back and re-listen to this podcast, Doc, because there's so much good information uh, that we've shared or that you've shared, rather, with the listening audience. Okay, so just to recap uh, my little talk today about stress, stress is with us all the time, even before 1936 when Dr. Saley um, uh, defined it. But um, it, it, it's with us all the time, whether you're raising your family, whether you're going into work, whether you're um, in, in a good, bad situations in your relationship, uh, whether you're recovering from a car accident or whether you're um, coming out of a, a, a hurricane. Um, you're going to feel stress in your life. And the most important thing to understand is that before stress gets worse and very chronic, uh, before you start to feel uh, anxious 
depressed or traumatized over stress, there are things that you could do about it, which I'd love to talk about um, in, in the coming weeks. And um, you actually can, can get your body in such shape through these interventions I'm going to be talking about that include therapy, exercise, and meditation. Very simple, just three things. I mean, um, there, there, are, there are very lengthy um, uh, interventions that a lot of um, experts put out there, but I try to keep it simple. I don't think that people want to hear about 10 things that they have to do, uh, time management or walking in nature or something like that. I think that there are three essential things that after, um, after I've talked about how terrible stress can interfere with your functioning and your happiness in life, and if you want to be happier in this modern world, you really have to understand that learning to deal with stress, whatever it is, um, it can be challenging, but let's keep it at that just as a challenge not as something that you feel overwhelmed about, okay? If, if you feel like stress is overwhelming your life, well, that should be an alarm bell, okay? And then in this age where, um, this technical age, where things are becoming more automated and we, um, we, we seem to be losing our ability to communicate very successfully, um, that in itself... Um, with cell phones and computers and um, everything being automated with um, artificial intelligence. We're, we're, we're kind of removing ourselves from nature, uh, and, and nature provides everything um, with these techniques that I'm going to talk about with meditation uh, to help us manage and, and live very successful and happy lives. It could be done. Well done and well stated. Good episode today on stress. Don't forget you can uh, order a copy of the book, and we certainly appreciate you tuning into the podcast. Every week, the doc um, will bring you uh, information that will be relevant, and we hope to educate, continue to educate all of our listeners who continue to tune in on a weekly basis to this podcast. Until next time, everybody. See you next time. Dr. Joe Schwartz found transformation in his daily life through TM. Read his compelling story, Super Radiant, sold on Amazon and Barnes & Noble.